Coming up on this episode of Off The Fence, myself, Barry Geraghty and Tony Keenan dissect all that was from the Cheltenham Festival. We get stuck into what we liked, what we didn't like and horses to take away from the big meeting of the year and some predictions for the future as well. Hello and welcome to Off The Fence. This is your weekly rundown of all things jump racing and we've made it through the week that was of the Cheltenham Festival. Thank you very much for watching the live shows that we did all week last week. We much enjoy bringing it to you. Hopefully we pointed in the direction of a few winners along the way and some interesting points too. Um, your viewership was much appreciated and thanks again for joining us today. Uh, we're going to rattle through all the fallout from the Cheltenham Festival and as always, I am joined by the boys. Uh, Tony Keenan, how was your week? Yeah, it was a very enjoyable re week. It was an excellent week's racing. It was great to see uh, so many people there enjoying themselves. I know we've said that it was we were a year without crowds, but the, the year before that, um, 2020, was certainly a, a very weird year. The, the world was kind of born at the time, so it is effectively three years since we've had a proper Cheltenham Festival um, and I'm, I'm glad to see the crowds enjoying it so much and hopefully we'll be able to kick on and that's the way it's just going to be for the future. Absolutely, hear, hear. And Barry, obviously I was with you for plenty of the week. Um, you seem to enjoy it as much as anyone. I did, yeah, and it was brilliant. Great racing. Uh, it was, I wasn't sure how I'd be. I was happy enough that I would be happy and not uh, itching to get out and ride one or anything like that. But, uh, no, it was a brilliant week and uh, obviously got it kicked off and a perfect start. Well, let's kick straight on. Tuesday, first race, Supreme Novices, bang, in goes Constitution Hill. There is a very happy Barry Geraghty in the winner's enclosure. Uh, we talked about it on the night and throughout last week as well, so we won't overdo it too much. But one of the things that has been mentioned, um, sort of uncovered, I suppose, post his run, is this line about why at the sales uh, he wasn't an obvious horse for some people. And we just wanted you, Barry, to expand on what's been said about how the 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 physical issue he had going to the sale uh, all the way back a good couple of years ago now yeah it's actually it's uh only nearly 12 months ago it was last uh, may um so he he made a mistake on his point to point at the last fence he would have won nicely only just he left his hind end in the fence if you like um dived out and just left his hind end in it and he obviously just tweaked something in his back and what they called it was a you know a muscle disease where um he actually damaged muscle fibers and it caused uh, a lot of muscle wastage on his top line across his back and through his hindquarters. So he literally on the week running up to the sale, he all of a sudden he just started to fade away. So he didn't look very saleable at the sales. Um, and there was a good bit of interest in him. Um, in hindsight, we probably should have kept him for later, but we rolled the dice and Michael Buckley bought him and uh, it's, uh, sure it's, it's, the rest is history, as they say. So you were in hustle mode come the sales, trying to sort of get him gone and convince people that you were right about this horse. And like you say, sorry, less than 12 months on, he proves you more than right. Uh, now you've watched it a few more times, what's your view on the race? Any more takeaways since we last checked in with you? I suppose the takeaways are all the figures that have been thrown out since. You know, we, we've grown up with Golden Signet as this, you know, mystique horse who set such a strong time form um, back in, what, 78 or something like that. Um, so we've all grown up in this um, background, if you like. 
But then for Constitution Hill to go and beat that, so in the 74-year history of time form, he's, he's clocked the best performance, beaten Golden Signal by a pound, and then in turn to beat any power, her course record in the champion hurdle by a second. So it was the numbers kind of back up what was a visually brilliant performance. So it's, it was just, yeah, so exciting to, to be part of it all and, and witness it. Absolutely. So come on then, Tony. Are you going to put a pin in our Constitution Hill balloon or Barry's uh, dreamland that he's currently living in? Or are you all aboard the train now as well with us? Ah, uh, you couldn't put a pin in that. Sure, that that's it was it really was unbelievable performance in terms of the ratings. Like, um, I think uh, I asked someone much more qualified in this uh, about his rating. He seems to have done the highest rating ever by a horse on his towards start. It is just ridiculous the level that he's run to. Altior ran to a huge level on his um, chase debut, but he was coming off a hurdles career at that point. Like I think time for him gave him 177 there. Like it is, it's better than what Honeysuckle ran in the champion hurdle. It's better than what Honeysuckle has probably ever run to. And this is a horse that had no bump or career. At this issue that Barry's after referencing and only started on the track there in what Tingle Creek Day in December. It's an amazingly high level. Um, it's a good enough level to win a champion hurdle probably already. Um, can he go any higher? Does he need to go any higher? He's just such a horse to look forward to. Um, hopefully going to Punchestown, but but wherever he does go. Um, of the rest, look, he, he blew the race apart, I suppose. The Willie Mullins horses, to me, who I was with, were disappointing. Kilcrit didn't jump at all. Um, and Dyser Dynamo just raced like an idiot. Um, blowing the start and, and, and trying to break through the tape and over racing and um, jumping the first two poorly and then obviously falling himself maybe chasing will settle him down maybe he could have done with another run or two um, before Cheltenham I think that was an issue with some of the Willie Mullins novices they were all out quite late um, in, in the season they, they took November was to dry in the early part of December but no matter what they, they would have done they, they weren't getting near the winner who was just sublime Okay, well, final question then before we move on, Barry, back to you. Just very simply, will we see him against Honeysuckle at Punchestown? I'd say there's a good chance. It just depends how he recovers. He was, he did, albeit he didn't have a tough race, but standing in the winner's enclosure, you'd know he had a race. He is only five, so it just depends on his recovery. If he bounces back, um, I said to Nicky, sure, if he's kicking the door down, he'll be, uh, you'll go to Punchestown, will you? And he said, yeah, but he doesn't really kick the door down, so he's he'll be in there asleep, whether he's... Uh, below <laughs> par are his buzzing <laughs> and sorry I did claim that that was the final question but it's not just one one further one Barry just in terms of his future whatever wherever he ends up at Punchstown or later on this season next season uh, everyone's kind of presuming he's a champion hurdle horse rather than a chaser would that be your thinking as well Oh, he could do either. He he's, he does jump really well. Uh, he would have no problem jumping a fence. He's plenty of size. Um, but I uh, just reading hadn't spoken to Michael Buckley lately. Uh, but just reading online there earlier today that he, there was a quote from yesterday saying that he's going to keep him over hurdles for one more season anyway. So um, he seemed fairly definite about that. Okay, plenty to look forward to. Uh, can't wait. Can't wait for Punchtown if that matchup happens. Tony, uh, let's move on to the Arkle, Edward Stone. And it, it played out in a way sort of much how we expected in terms of the Irish horses in behind being much of a muchness. But it was experience to the fore in the Arkle, it seemed. Yeah, I think in both this race and the Broadway, the two English novices who had mocked up um, all the graded races 
um, in the in England this uh, year, you know, sort of carried that through. And I probably underestimated both of them, um, Edward Stone and Lampress. Edward Stone is just a really professional horse, travelled, jumps, overcame, uh, you know, the horse falling in front of him. Um, would he excite you as a potential champion chaser? Probably not, but he certainly could be going on to entry and adding another grade one or punches down if he so chooses. And there's always scope for improvement. The Arkle winner does have a good record in the champion chase. I suppose in terms of the race, um, look, with Gordon Elliott and his horses throughout the week, things just weren't going right. Um, and I think Riviere de Tell, the ride probably wasn't wonderful, but part of that is to, when the horses aren't in form, they don't get you out of a hole or something like that. I thought... Um, Pressed on soon enough on her of what was a strong pace and then sent her a little bit early. And again, she wasn't helping herself by um, jumping out to the right. I would give Gavin Cromwell a lot of praise for what he did with Gavin Acco. It was a brave move to drop him back to two miles to supplement him. Horse jumped better than he ever did. It was a creative bit of placing. He finished second, um, opened up a lot of avenues for him, especially with some of the other Irish, um, you know, blotting a copybook or just as you say, turning out to be much of much. So he'll have an opportunity maybe doing a grade one at home. Uh, maybe over the rest of the spring okay couple to keep it on and just sorry just to confirm tony so in terms of edward stone as a champion chaser next season is that a no from you on that front i could is well, well sure energumine is there and looks to set a very high standard and if shishkin can be gotten back to his best form um he would all, obviously be a player and you have fairly hollow if he returns to soundness as well so no he they would look ahead of him now but that's not to knock him because he is just a topper of a horse that anyone would love to own and like his great ability is his availability. He's there, he's healthy, he runs re- frequently and he wins frequently. So, as I say, impossible to knock. Like that, like that summary. Right, Barry, let's move on to the champion hurdle. Honeysuckle wins again. Ultimately, I think it's fair to say not that impressively, but she just keeps winning. So where do we stand now with her? Are we slating her for her distance to the second and the third or are we congratulating her on yet another uh, grade one win? No, you have to congratulate her. And, you know, you could I could draw a comparison with Moscow Flair. She only ever seems to do as much as she has to. Um, you know, and she goes down and she pops the last. She's a little bit deliberate. She was probably quicker and slicker at it last year. The pace wasn't very strong, which didn't really play to her strengths. She was trapped wide early. Rachel walked into a nice position, then down over three out, got the split over two out. But she's quickening on a race that's quickening as well. So she's not going to pull away from the field. Um, appreciated to me he just he lacked the experience or maybe the, the, the recent run his jumping wasn't as good he couldn't go as hard as he needed to go his jumping was, was, was restricting him from, from Paul going forward really so um, I think you'd have to draw a line through him Epitant was running well uh, when she missed the last but she wasn't going to catch the winner but she would have chased her home um, Zanny here is there in turn but I thought Holy Sucker was good really good um, and as I say she doesn't she probably doesn't catch the eye the way some would and she's only, to me, only ever doing as much as she needs to. Yeah, I wondered if she just wasn't quite at her best um, at, uh, on Tuesday, Tony. I don't know what you... Well, what what did you think in terms of her performance, but also specifically appreciate it in behind her? Um, what what were your takeaways? I think Honeysuckle's last two performances, at least on the Times, have been quite un- underwhelming. Um, Fairy House was a very good performance on, on the Times um, and visually was, was deeply impressive. Um, and so maybe with that in mind, the Constitution Hill connections might be thinking this is a good time to take her on um, at Punchestown. So that we may take on her. Appreciate it. I was, wasn't really that disappointed with him. I thought he was a little bit of a square peg in a round hole here on last Tuesday. Um, 
I think, I'm not sure he was fully tuned up for it, to be quite honest. And I know they said he was ready and all that type of stuff. I wonder, missing the prep race, was that ideal? And, you know, having him tuned to the absolute eyeballs, you'd wonder would be borderline negligent training as well. Like, this horse is a horse they're thinking of as a chaser, um, giving him a very hard race in a champion hurdle, first run in 12 months. I don't think that'd be ideal. Paul Townham went out, made a good clip over the first few, then tried to slow, slow it down. Hadn't the pace to go with him. He's a big horse. The ground was quite dry. Um, and I just think he accepted his bacon quite soon. Um, you could see a different horse now the next day. Maybe the entry hurdle would be on the cards. Maybe rather than two miles around Punchestown. But um, I, I wouldn't knock him on this. If you were a fan of him beforehand, I'd definitely be keeping him in mind. Because it really was a difficult spot for him. Coming in against faster horses on good ground that had a smooth preparation through the winter. Okay, so positive shout then, really, for appreciate it going forward. Uh, Tony, let's stick with you for just mop up a few of the other points from day one. Mare's Hurdle or National Hunt Chase, any takeaways from those races? Yeah, National Hunt Chase, look, I think they've done a magnificent job on Statler in terms of changing the tactics on him. He wasn't getting home over hurdles last year, over two miles, six, even three miles, um, when he was going from the front. I think dropping him in over fences, he just looks a different horse. Um was a really dominant winner on him. You can argue it wasn't much of a race. He only had Run Wild Fred and Vanilla, who was well beaten, uh, to beat. But he's done things right. And his form at Farouk the Len looked like it was going to work out quite well in the in the Brown Advisory on Tuesday. That horse still had a chance when he fell to out. So I'd ha you'd have to be positive with him. Mayor's Hordle, little bit of a messy race. Steady pace was predicted to be strongly run, but the jockeys kind of um, changed up their tactics a little bit. I thought... Me, I thought Paul Townend was excellent over the week, to be quite honest. Um, number of nuanced rides, maybe we'll talk about later. But on Stormy Ireland, I wonder did he give away her best asset by kind of dropping her in. I think she's better going forward um, and kind of taking her back after the first couple of hurdles. I'm not sure that really worked. Um, I think Queensbrook, you know, probably would have preferred just off the ground. No, it's just what she was. She wasn't good enough, essentially. And I, I think she might have been the third best horse in it anyway. Third best mare in it. She, she wasn't good enough. She wasn't quick enough. I think soft the ground might suit. She's a bit leery as well. Um, has flashed tail in the past, so there's a little quirk there as well. Again, Henry de Bromhead, who has had a like a torrid season, to be quite honest, outside of his big horses, really um, was the big man for the big day uh, throughout the meeting, and, and probably would have had another winner here if Tell Me Something Girl hadn't come down. Like she looked to be going the best on the on the outside when she was brought down by the fall of. Um, indefatigable another of his big name horses that he had prepared absolutely brilliantly for the week so again full credit to him and the operation there they can probably count themselves unlucky in that race yeah fair comment and the horrid fall horrid incident as well uh for the mayor there uh barry just throw the boodles and the ultima at you um the ultima to start with with Corrick rambler one for the north get in and uh, uh well people are claiming one of the rides of the week was that your view as well over sort of patrick mullins in the fox hunter and danny mullins in the stairs which we'll get to in due course yeah no for me this was right of the week uh scotty grambler was slow out the gate uh, they went fast and Derek Fox accepted it and he just hunted away and hunted away. He had five horses behind him jumping the third last and most of them were tailed off. And it was only then that he made his move. And he went through the field like a knife through butter. It was a brilliant ride, very patient, great judgment on the big stage. And it's also the old course, which is a sharp track. And it's not just easy to make your, to make ground to get through the pack because they weren't a rook turned in. But he went through them as uh, like a knife through butter. I thought it was a brilliant ride, really well judged, but great confidence 
um, and judgment by him. So no, I thought that was brilliant. Uh, the Boodles, I suppose experience for me, won the day. Uh, Gaelic Warrior had only had three runs prior to this and they were over hurdles. Uh, he jumped out to his right, he jumped big, he was a little bit keen. Um, dived out to his right, especially at the second last. Where Brazil, it was had 11 runs. And this was his fifth run over hurdles. That experience, it stood to him. He dropped his head, he ran to the line. Um, Gaelic Warrior is probably the horse to take out of it. And it'd be interesting to see how far he can go, but he, he's well entitled to step into greater company now, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Heartbreak for the Mullins team there with Gaelic Warrior, the big talking horse coming into it. Rich Ritchie and team less than pleased. But uh, trainer anyway had a turn of fortunes with Sir Gerhard in the Ballymore, the first race on Wednesday, Tony. But I think... I, I don't know. I, I, his performance for me got a bit lost among other good performances in the week. I don't know whether you were underwhelmed by by it, were you? Well, it was just a, a carbon copy of the Dublin Racing Festival, really, but he jumped a lot better. I think that jumping performance at Leperstown was an aberration. I read someone talking about that he was on the wrong lead or something there. His jumping was perfectly fine when he was dropped in um, last Wednesday. Three-strike life obviously backed up the form. Um, aside from that, I thought Johnny um, with me, it was the first time I'd really believed in him. Um, he was coming into the race much less seasoned than the 1-2. He only had one run in a point-to-point bumper. He hadn't run in a graded hurdle. There were only really ordinary races he'd run in so far over hurdles. Um, Rachel Blackmore obviously wasn't happy with the pace early on. She went up and forced it. Yeah, he was coming off toward best at the last, but he'd put pace to the race. Um, and I think long term for him, maybe running in this race, the 2.5 mile rather than the three mile um Albert Bartlett could be better for his long term development. Um yeah, so a lot more to like about him. First real race where he's actually put a bit of substance to his form, I felt. And Tony, what would you be thinking about him uh, in the next sort of twelve months or so in terms of hurdles or chasing? Are you expecting to see him up over the bigger obstacles or might we see him uh, in a more champion hurdle field? Which one now, Sir Gerhard or Johnny with me? Sorry, Sir Gerhard, definitely not Journey with me, but Sir um... Gerhard, sorry. <laughs> Sir Gerhard, I, I don't know. Um, interesting to see what he does at Punchestown. Will, will, will he maybe go back to two miles? That was mentioned, obviously. They were still tossing up the Supreme because his two Willie Mullins' two-milers did disappoint a little bit in the Supreme. Um, his disappointing performance last season now did come at Punchestown. I believe Ruby said something after his Leperstown maiden hard win that maybe he's not the best right-handed, so that would be interesting to see. Um, he's a world away from a champion hurdle at the minute now. Um, not to say he won't improve, and, and obviously he has an excellent Cheltenham record, but he, he's well behind the legs of um, Honeysuckle, and you couldn't mention him the same breath as Constitution Hill, but he is unbeaten over hurdles. He, he wins a lot of races. There's nothing to say he won't improve, but that improvement will need to be forthcoming. Okay, a little bit further to go for him. Um, Barry, Lahon Presse is now a 10-to-1 shot for the Cheltenham Gold Cup versus... For instance, another novice in Statler at 20 to 1 for the Gold Cup currently. Um, I was really impressed with his performance. I was rooting for Hoist in your, but I thought Lahon Press might do what he did. And his jumping and his accuracy and the fact that he's now proved he can stay three miles just brought him to the fore in this race. Obviously, the race slightly depleted by Brave Man's game being a late withdrawal. Um, but I, I was really impressed with him. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if a Hoy Senor needs to just buckle down a little bit more, concentrate a little bit more. He doesn't look the easiest of rides, but either way, the winner can only win, and I was mightily impressed. 
No, I'd agree completely. Um, Lahan Press really impressive um, and has progressed so well all year. Your eye was drawn to him through the race. He was jumping, he was travelling. He was where you'd want to be and travelling how you'd want to travel. It was a really solid performance. Uh, a high senior, I'd agree with you on that. Very awkward, not straightforward. Jumps well at times and then go down and bunny hop and make a mess of one. But he did finish strongly, so he's a horse with talent. Um, so High Senior's rated him at 157, Lahan Press 159. You know, they're both two horses on the up, but probably have a good gap to bridge to get to the Gold Cup standards. Um, but two two smart horses which uh, you know, have futures. Is, is um, Ahoy Senor Barry going to be one of those horses where we're always waiting for him to get his act together, but he never quite does? Or do you think he will grow up with a bit more racing? Well, yeah, I'd like to think he will grow up with more racing. Um, but, you know, he could be another Carvel's Hill, if you like. But he's, he's definitely, he's not a straightforward ride for Derek Fox. Um, I thought he was better when he had company, but he was good at times when he was in front and then he could just let him down at once. So um, I would say the track itself, he'd be better on the new course, on the Gold Cup track than he would be on the old course, just because they're more of a level playing field, if you like, on the on the new course. Yeah, could be a bit more straightforward for a quirky individual. Uh, Tony, let's move on to the champion chase. Slightly fell apart, didn't it? Shishkin might as well not have even jumped off. Paddy got bobbled off Shakan. It's just a disaster in terms of what we were expecting from the race. Uh, didn't quite materialise, but the winner, are we taking anything away from him at this stage? Um, no, he turned up, he got the job done, his, his time was good. Uh, I give Paul Townend a bit of credit for the ride. He had changed things up again that he dropped his mount out. Now, of course, the new check on Pochois was going to go forward, which was a help. But I think his reason with dropping him out was that he actually wanted to get the better ground. Um, himself and the ultimate winner, Fernando Civile, went round the outside the whole way. Uh, that ground had been used, obviously, the first day, and maybe keeping off it was a good idea. Look, he did it very well. You'd be hopeful there will be a, an ultimate rematch between himself and Shishkin. Uh, down the lane Shishkin just I don't know he was given Nicky Henderson was given us the ground as the excuse I don't know about that he, he went fine on heavy ground in the in the Supreme it's just one of those things a horse having an off day they're not machines I thought one of the funniest things though most interesting things after it was there's some brilliant interviews throughout the week and with connections and stuff like that but Tony Bloom was inter interviewed after and Lydia Hislop asked him um, celebrating the race now he said and she asked him are you going to the football afterwards Tony and Tony says, I'm, just, I'm not sure, Lydia. I don't think we'd be fit to get the helicopter off the ground with the bad weather. Talk about, <laughs> talk about having first world problems. Massive fan of Tony Bloom, but what a game. It was just brilliant. But he says, I think we're going to get a few, we're going to get a few cars or limos organised. I think we're going to make it. Just brilliant stuff. They talk about how the, the other half live. Yeah, exactly how the other half live. Just can't get the helicopter to take off. Bit of a disaster, Lydia. But anyway, we'll take it. Um, Barry. What did you make of the champion chase as a whole? Did you find it a touch disappointing as I did in the end? Well, I suppose it fell apart a bit. Um, Shishkin never going. Um, they say he was sore afterwards, so it'd be interesting to see how he comes back. On it, when a horse isn't going like that, the first thing you'll bring is the ground because they're labouring, they're not travelling, and it, it has that kind of feeling of it's sucking the life out of them. So it's it's easy to blame the ground in those situations. But he was sore afterwards, so obviously something to miss, but nothing major, I gather. Uh, but it did, and Shaq and Post were checking out at the at the last ditch. Um, that added to, to more disappointment. So it made it easier for an argument, but take nothing away from it. It was a good performance, and I'd agree with Tony. It was a very good ride by, by Paul, dropping in, going wide, creeping into it. And, and I suppose that was, we were talking about in the Clarence house, who, how we could control that pace in the middle part of the race and ride him to finish. Um, and the change in tactics worked out brilliant in that regard. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Barry, quick word on the Tiger Roll situation debacle. Uh, Dell to work, obviously not reading the script that everyone seemed to want. And then there's a good bit of fallout post-race, but we're not going to get into the politics uh, side of things with Mr O'Leary because we know that that's just a rabbit hole to go down. But in terms of the performance itself, it's bye-bye Tiger Roll. He went out of the second place, but Dell to work, I mean, he's a class act in a cross-country chase and he took to it like a duck to water. He did, but like the soft ground was the key and the cross-country track wasn't watered and Davy Russell was so happy everywhere through the race and he let him straight on four out and around the three out and he was more than happy. But unfortunately for him, I felt when he hit the softer ground, the water ground in the track on the, on the old course, straight away he started to tread water a little bit. And for me, that was the beating of him. If he had had that better ground on the cross-country track, the whole way home, Tiger Roll would have signed off for the victory, I feel. Oh... Killer. Absolutely killer. Uh, Tony, there were some very happy people in the winner's enclosure after Fasal Vega won the bumper in pretty emphatic style for the Mullins team. Um, There's a lot of shouting and roaring. He seems to have a huge following already. Uh, well, he would, of course, being out of what he is, um, a very good performance again, beat the right horse. Look, I was kind of inclined to take him on on the ground, but the ground had changed vastly from what it was um Tuesday evening to what it was Wednesday evening and, and he absolutely relished it the one strong view I have on this race this might be a bit bullish now but I think the best horse might have been toured um, St James's Gate his profile coming in to talk about that in a second but the way the race went they had um, kind of skirted some of these hurdles and taken bits out of false ground when they were coming down the hill he had a, a lovely position but he went down the inside with um, Redemption Day who was a well fancied horse the toward favourite and stuff like that and he was beaten absolutely out the gate but he finished up down the inner which typically wouldn't be the place to be on soft ground at Cheltenham um, when it's rained I thought that was a horrible track position he ran on really well to get toward now I thought that was a tremendous effort um, I was reading some stuff on time form after they said he was the best physical specimen in the field um, and also his profile coming into it like Willie Mullins has run um, 17 horses in the champion bumper that had run in the previous um, five weeks. Like, it just uh, Sorry, had made their debut in the previous five weeks. Just a massive ask. Like um, Both Facile Vega and um, American Mike had run in graded races that were out before the turn of the year. This horse had only made his debut in an ordinary bumper at Punchestown. Of those 17, two won and one placed. He was the one that placed. But the other two that won were, were toppers like uh, Cousin Vinny and Alexander Banquet. You know, so I would be putting him now in the breath where he has massive scope for improvement. He went a bit better than the form. Um, I would be very interested in him now if he turned up on the, in the Punchestown champion bumper, maybe on a bit better ground. And Fasel Vega was very short. I thought there was a really promising effort out of him. Okay, the third is the takeaway horse, but plaudits to Fasal Vega. I looked at the class act on the day. Let's roll on to Thursday. The sun came out again, thank goodness, Barry. Uh, but it all went terribly wrong for Galloping de Champs at the back of the last. Oh, God, heartbreak central. And then Bob Ollinger, who just didn't look like he was right anyway, sort of crabbed his way up the hill. As a grade as grade ones go at Cheltenham Barry, this all just was a complete disappointment for me, I'm afraid. 
Well, it was, but um, Gallop and the Champ, he jumped big early. He missed a couple. He let fly at one down the back, and then he seemed to find the rhythm. But they did ride him very aggressively. They really wanted to test Bob Ollinger. Um, and Paul rode him forward. He wing fenced and jumped brilliant, you could say, on the last mile. Um, the last fence itself then. He met it on a, on a lovely forward stride. It wasn't overly that that overly long and um, but he picked up well he jumped the fence perfectly but if you watch the side on shot on landing when his hoof touches the ground he still has a bit of a bend in his knee so straight away when he puts the weight on his leg his leg just collapsed underneath him so if you watch Alaho on the Ryanair he gallops down he pulls down he gallops out through the fence but when he gets his two feet out he has them straight and strong to the ground you know he's rigid about it because that's what experience tells him get your feet out support yourself but the novice, now he was getting tired. He wasn't going to obviously be beaten like that. But he was, he'd been ridden aggressively. And he was you know, getting tired, feeling the pinch. And it was more of a, a casual landing where he wasn't just sure of himself and get his landing gear out. And he'll have learned from that. But of the race, I thought it was really impressive. Bob Ollinger clocked the time two seconds quicker than Alaho. Um, and Galloping the Champ was probably three to four seconds up on him. So I thought it was rock solid. Two very good horses. Bob Ollinger, he jumped okay at times. He was skewing as well a bit too. So missed the third last badly, or the fourth last, should I say. Um, but he did well to run as well as he did, um, considering how he jumped. So they're two very good horses, I think. Okay, well, Tony, Barry seems to be taking quite a positive view on this race. What was what was your opinion of it? Yeah, um, much more negative, to be honest. Um like if if you're telling me Galloping the Champs is is a, is a top class horse based in his first two runs, I hundred percent can see that. Um, particularly his form at the Dublin Racing Festivals worked out. Master McShee nearly won a Grade race over two miles, carrying a Grade One penalty after that. Um, French Dynamite who who went with Galloping the Champs in the middle part of that race won a race at Torres there at the weekend, a decent race. But um, no, I wasn't impressed with this at all. Um, I thought his jump, but it was his worst jumping performance uh, so far. He jumped the first uh, three or four like they were electrocuted. Um, I hate to see that in a horse. It's something very strange about that. They're nearly afraid of getting a, a, a tip of them or something like that. Then he's put down at the last first time round, and then obviously what, what has happened at the last. Now he, he would have run out a, a very good winner, and I'm not going to knock him, but I wouldn't be. I just wouldn't be celebrating him as a superstar at the back of this, and I'm just wondering what they're going to do with him next time. I see two males was mentioned. If he's going to jump like that, he, he's going to be in bother. Um, Bob Bollinger now, oh God, he really harmed his reputation, I think. Um, Look, he was still travelling well when, when he made this very bad mistake. Where was it? Was it four out? But he, the, 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 the times that I was looking at just confirmed that he was absolutely walking late. Um, Rachel Blackmore said he made a noise. His head carriage was horrendous. Um, has been in the past now. Head carriage has not always been, 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 been good with him. But such is his level of ability, he's been able to beat the horses that he's been up against. When he came across a horse that was kind of of equal or superior ability, put him under pressure, it kind of found, found out his temperament. Like the last thing he wanted to do over the final two fences and up the straight was go forward. Um, so that, that could really leave its mark. They're going to have to get him checked out. So I don't know. Like Gallop in the Champs was beating two no-hopers and a horse that looks a bit broken to me. So um, question marks. And I, I wouldn't just be getting too carried away with the form of this um, based on what we saw there up the, up the finishing straight. And tell me this, Tony. Um, would, if... Bob Ollinger was trained by anyone else. Would we be looking at? Would we be talking about him stepping back down to hurdles and potentially two miles as a champion hurdler as a different route for next season? Is that a completely wild swing, or would you be in any way inclined to think that? 
have to probably give him another few tries over fences, but it, it might be worth a go. Um, I remember Patrick Mullen saying something very interesting about a horse Mount Leinster, and he's been proven right. I think I think he'd sort of kicked on. He'd won a couple of races on the flat after disappointing over hurdles, and he says, "Do you know what? The old flat game suits this horse. He's a bit cowardly." Um, and I think Bob Ollinger might be a little bit cowardly for chasing. It's just an easier kind of a race over hurdle that don't go as as consistent, hard a pace in a lot of races, especially the champion hurdle trials and stuff like that. Something where he can quicken and his superior ability might be um, more used to him. But but as you say, with the trainer, with what he has in the champion hurdle division, with his kind of long pedigree of um, training, very good chasers, I don't know, will that happen? But um, yeah, his, his next start will be an interesting one because... There isn't, well, I suppose he can go to Fairy House for the, the two and a half mile there. Um, he didn't run a Punchestown last year. He was a late withdrawal. If he's going to Punchestown, he either has to come down and trip or go up and trip. Um, so, yeah, not, not probably not the easy, the most obvious target if they're going to avoid Fairy House, which is coming up quite soon. Yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what they do next with Bob Ollinger. Uh, Tony, let's move on to the Ryanair, Alaho different gear again and seems to be becoming a bit of a specialist at this sort of trip. Um, I don't think he was Im as impressive as he was last year visually, is that fair to say? Uh, probably not sure. He was never going to reproduce a performance like he did last year. You know that camera shot where you can see it, um, almost an over-the-shoulder shot peeping back at them, four out where everything is at a distance. Um, amazing shot really. Uh, in, in last year's race and, and, and even in trying to ride him like that would kind of be silly because you can break a horse doing that didn't Ruby say that about Faheen in the Irish champion hurdle when he rode him out there's no need to just win the race um, look where does he go next he's a relatively fresh horse entries possibly on the cards I see Willie Mullins is 20-25 to 1 to win the trainers championship um, the British trainers championship maybe it's not on the cards at all but um Gordon Elliott doesn't look now that he's going to put up much of a fight now and his horse was really disappointing last week. I think the thing with Gordon Elliott was he had his horses out earlier this year, this season, sorry, than he did any other season. With himself coming back from the ban, he wanted to hit the ground running, um, maybe better maiden hurdlers out earlier and maybe they're, they're starting to feel the pinch a little bit now. Um, his statistics now in the month of March would not be great. So he's going to face an upward struggle to battle back. Willie Mullins' horses are all kind of relatively fresh. A lot of them have only had two, three runs going into Cheltenham, if even that. Um, so maybe there is the option of going to entry. Good go with that meeting. This horse could go for the melling, maybe the few for the bowl even. Um, so yeah, but look what do you, what am I telling you here? Allo's a very good horse. Everyone knows that. I thought Elder, I thought Eldorado Allen shaped really well in Tord. I thought he was definitely the second best horse. Um, jockey decided he was going to try and win the race, uh, and I think all the other jockeys accepted they were riding for second. I thought his jumping was absolutely brilliant, really on the second. Um, and the fact that he was able to keep on for Tord having match strides with Alaho, who is an absolute, you know, 175 horse running against a load of 160 horses. Um, so Eldorado Allen actually would be a horse I would be interested in going to entry, maybe for the three mile. He was so effective in the Newbury race over the flat left hand, the three miles, that, that race might suit him. Yeah, he's definitely one to keep on side. Barry, let's move on to the Stayers hurdle. Uh, it was a bit of a puzzle going into the race, but actually it just went so perfectly for Flooring Porter and for Danny Mullins up front. Talk us through the ride that's already had so many plaudits. It was a brilliant ride. So he set out the gate, really strong pace and an even pace. Classical dream, then the shoe was on the other foot. He dropped out um, and he gave... I suppose he gave Florian Porter maybe an eight-length head start, so he had to make that up, but obviously he settled well back there. But uh, Danny was brilliant, good strong pace, filled his horse up top of the hill, quickened way down the straight, up the straight again, he, he filled him up, and then quickened down the back straight. 
Then he pulled it right up top of the hill, filled him up, stacked him up on his heels and used the field to push him down the hill over the second last. It was a brilliant ride into the straight then and he let him quicken but he didn't go for everything. He just let him pick up gradually up the straight, using the letting the field push him, jump the last and then he ran around at the back of it as he often does but ran to the line. It was very strong at the line so it was a brilliantly judged ride Um had a great, really good performance to be honest. Classical Dream, who travelled really well through the race, just didn't get home. He would have had ground to make up, but Danny dictated the pace so well. It was very difficult for someone to come from off the pace, just with the way he was dropping the pace, filling up, stacking them up, and then using the, using the pace from the front and letting the field push him. So it was a really, really good ride. Um, and albeit he was probably the best horse on the day, but there's no doubt Danny made his job easier. Yeah. Credit to him in fairness and lethal from the front, as we've been saying for a long while about Danny Mullins. Uh, Tony, what what to make of the rest in behind? Like I say, it was, it's was it been a muddling division all year. And actually, other than Flooring Porter coming out the best again and sort of putting his head above the parapet, everyone else in behind, I'm not sure what to make of them now going forward. And I'm not sure where the likes of Classical Dream and Champ and even Paisley Park, where he might be retired, will end up next. It just seems... It seems quite a, it, it is still a muddy division anyway. Yeah, Kano Race, you could ask me on Thursday evening what was going to win it, and I still couldn't tell you. Um, look, Florian Porter, excellent, all credit to connections, great job. I, myself, and my own kind of work before the festival, underestimated festival form with him and, and shouldn't have done, but you'll have that. Um, I thought Classical Dream didn't really get up the hill, having raced very freely and travelled powerfully through the race. It's hard to believe he wouldn't make the frame now, looking at him. Um, on the run to the last Paisley Park ran what is becoming a standard race for him now getting out paced and running on connections actually mentioned Punchestown for him afterwards um, wouldn't have thought that place would suit him now um, especially on the typical ground that they will have unless they get a shower or two and they, they go very very hard I actually thought this man had no luck now over the week between winged leader on the Friday in the, in the Fox Hunters or the Hunters just to call it now because um, actually ran really well he still um, had a little bit of chance of making the first three or four um, coming to the last and kind of had to switch off. I think it was Royal Gahal and finished out well. Actually won at Punchestown last year. That Punchestown stairs hoard has a habit of throwing up an odd mad result over the years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ran his odds um, for the Fermanagh-based trainer, uh, David Christie. Okay, uh, let's move on, Barry to the Triumph Hurdle on Friday, rattling through the show. Uh, Verban came out much the best in the end and looked really actually something to be a little bit excited about, I thought. I know we often speak about uh, the juveniles stepping forward and are they champion hurdle horses? Will he find it hard next season? Of course he probably will. But if ever there's a horse to go to all with for a champion hurdle, coming out of the juvenile division, we, we mentioned that we thought this was an above average crop in the Triumph. And I think he's an above average horse if, if, in this category anyway Barry yeah no definitely agree and um, we showed great pace they didn't go overly quick and that was a concern we had beforehand with Phil Dore and Porticello probably having to make the running um, and they travelled well they were in a bunch down the hill into the straight but Vabon showed great pace he missed the last but quicken again and, and won really well um, but he should, that pace he showed like the triumph always throws up a stare if you like for the future but definitely with the pace that Vabon showed 
he's no stayer. I would imagine the runner-up and the third could possibly, especially Phil Dore, will be stepping up and tripping time. But you'd have to be really impressive for Bone, um, just with the pace he showed. And as I said, to miss the last and quicken again at the back of it was impressive. Um, his future then, they say he's going to go hurling next year, next year and possibly go for the Melbourne Cup the year after. So a little bit of a concern maybe how he might handle fast ground in uh, in Australia because he does seem to have a certain level of knee action that you would I'd imagine he would enjoy a bit of juice in the ground. Tony, would you have him in any way in a champion hurdle pitcher? I don't know, but excuse me, French, he absolutely pissed up. Um, <laughs> just the, 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 the way he missed the last and just quickened up again and won under a hand raid was just very, very visually impressive. Look, the race was set up to suit him. Um, ended up with steadily run and he was well positioned but he still won with any amount in hand again Townend very good in him on the run to two out he just subtly put um, paid paper into a pocket uh, Jack Kennedy and again paid paper wasn't beating him under any circumstance but Paul Townend didn't know that the more than he didn't know the Chishkin was going to be pulled up in the champion chase he had his tactics right anyway and it also it also meant that he got first run at the outside rail which again was the story with Stateman in the following race. So that that was excellent. Um, of those in behind, Fido ran very well in a race that, yes, he was well positioned, but the run of the race um, wouldn't have suited the steady gallop that went no with the ground. So plenty of encouragement to him for him to come either up and trip or over fences or whatever they're going to do with him at a time when the stable horses maybe weren't going wonderfully. Okay, and Tony, we'll stick with you because you've already mentioned him there. State man in the county and also let's just throw in Mr. Nice Guy and the Albert Bartlett as well. What were your takeaways from those uh, two Mullins fancied, well, actually unfancied horses, one of them in particular, but the two Mullins winners of the hurdle races there, what what were your takeaways from those races? County hurdle was a, you know, on county hurdle type race, it was actually quite clean and they didn't go this kind of serious gallop that they can go. Paul Townend gave this horse quite a safe ride, like a horse that had a lot in hand, which he proved to be, kept them outside, got the run to the near rail and just did it quite easily. Um, you get the sense, of course, that he would have been running a graded novice hurdle if he hadn't have fallen at Christmas and hadn't been able to run in one at the Dublin Racing Festival. And I'm sure that's where he's going to be heading shortly. I thought Cormier was one down the field that ran quite well. He was coming off the bridle um, into the straight but still had running to give and kind of got hampered and put him behind horses. He didn't get a clear run for a bit of furlong. Um, finished out well, finished seventh. Um, definitely worth marking up a couple of places better than that. He's he's a very likeable horse. Um, I thought the winner, the Albert Bart, was absolutely brilliant. Um, in terms of visually how he did it, in terms of sectionals and in terms of his profile coming into it. Now, I know... The two market leaders, one for the very tragic reasons and the other just didn't seem to turn up, um, would possibly weaken the form. But I thought this was just a terrific performance. Um, he was two and a half seconds quicker than any other horse in the race over the last half mile. Um, Paul Townend did his best to ruin him coming down to the last ruin. Sean O'Keefe race riding, he's perfectly entitled to do it, he should be doing it. Um, but the nice guy was able to pick up, get over the last and win going away really strong at the line just like he'd been at Nace. Now, like this, for a horse coming into this only after a maiden hurdle, and it was one of these traditional Albert Bartlett's where they, they went a good clip and all the boats were kind of staying on at the end, the Bardenstown lads, the, the Brorsons, whatever, the, these type of horses were, were keeping on, that he had the ability to uh, to win that w was a hell of a performance. Now, I know he's seven. He's older than your standard horse maybe coming out of bumpers, but how he even won a pair of bumpers with the stamina he has... It was excellent. 
Um, and I also I ran a little bit of a stats thing with this. Horses coming into this Albert Bartlett with either one or two hurdle runs are two from 51 with seven places since the race has kind of started. Who was the other winner? Uh, Barry, who was the other winner? No, pass. Minnelli <laughs> Oh, right, and the, the other one, the other ones who are placed now, some very good horses placed off that profile. The Midnight Club, Najaf, Fagan, Santini, and Alaho. The last two there obviously turned out to be top class. So I think this horse has just got a massive, massive future. Um, considering how quickly he came on from running a bumper at the Fairy House, um, Hatton's Grace meeting to win in Albert Bartlett, and he might be a little bit underrated because um, look, the, the the fancied ones did underperform, but yeah, hell of a lot to like about this. All right, the nice guy getting a very positive mention and is definitely one of the William Mullins horses coming out of Cheltenham who won, but ne- not necessarily being shouted about from the rooftop. So we'll take that. Uh, we'll look forward to him hopefully chasing, I would think, next season. Um, Barry, let's move on to the main race of the day on the Friday, the Gold Cup, a Plutard, Rachel Blackmore. Uh, I don't even know where to start with the dissecting of it. Again, a bit like Danny Mullins' ride. I want to throw to you about Rachel Blackmore's ride, but just talk to me about how much steel is needed to just sit so quietly behind that bank of horses in front of her coming down to was it the third last and the second last and not moving and being able to like stay as ice cool as that. I mean... There must be a sense of when you're riding in a race like that where you want to make a move sooner than you should, yet she managed to just keep waiting. That takes some skill, doesn't it? It does, but you, you learn more in defeat than you do in victory. And Rachel learned it all in Leopardstown when she got beaten by Galvin. And we all know if she was to do it again, she'd have done it differently. So she took an awful lot out of that. She rode the horse with great confidence, as she had done with Honeysuckle earlier in the week, Confidence, patience, she dropped in, she crept away, she travelled brilliantly, crept into the race in no rush. She had a slight bit of traffic, say, going to two out, but she wasn't in a rush anyway. That's a brilliantly delivered challenge. And then to go away, away and win by 15 lengths, that was a massive performance. Um, we knew there was a question mark about the pace, and Asterian for launch just as well. He went on it, they would have crawled altogether. Um, so that was a help, but it still wasn't the test of stamina that other horses might have wanted. The ground was ideal, but at Plutard, it all just served up perfect for him because of the finishing kick he had, and that's what Rachel rode him for. And to, as I say, to pull 15 lengths clear from the last was a massive performance. Barry, was there any horse you rode in your riding career who you learnt plenty from in defeat and then went on and won and it felt really... Because for Rachel, it felt like there was a real sense of satisfaction with that victory. Did you have anything in your riding career that was similar? Um, I definitely, on Iris's gift, I got beaten on Iris's gift in the 2003 stairs and uh, I did it differently the following year and got the results. So, yeah, yeah you will learn, but you learn it on an average horse during the week. It's It's... That's constantly honing your skills. But um, as I said, Rachel would have learned a massive amount from that defeat in Leopardson. And that defeat itself would sit in her mind as she's jumping three out and as she's turning in and she's saying, I'm not doing this again. I'm not doing this again. And wait, wait, wait. So she's, yeah, she's, she has herself under pressure to do the right thing. Yeah, she delivered. Um, Tony, did did you think that a Plutard had that sort of performance in in the locket? Did you think he was capable of that in a Gold Cup over that trip? Um, the Betfair Chase would have hinted at it, but there was a question about the substance of that form. Um, I I dead on what Barry's saying about learning from Leperstown. That that's that's very true. Did I read afterwards she was giving herself a hard time about the ride in the Gold Cup last year? I, I don't agree with that, with that at all. 
Um, I don't think the horse was good enough last year. I think Manelindo was a better horse than the day. He didn't jump as well last year. Numerous kind of small mistakes. I think he's improved. Um, I think Hayduck suggested he improved. At Leperstown he dipped a little bit. But the ride, as Barry has mentioned, might have been the thing there. And he was like just amazing performance then um, last Friday. Um, margin of victory accentuated a little bit by Manelindo calling up late. He looked like a horse with a little bit of a physical problem. Having got there, he, he just didn't look the fancy at the other ones were kind of closing up, up on him. But um, like a Plutard, like, it's, a, it's very strange. He's never won consecutive races. But since he's gone up to three miles... On his bad days, he's getting beaten lengths and a couple of lengths in grade 1s, competitive grade 1s. And on his good days, he does what he did the last day. So, like, what, what a horse, um, really. He's still 8. Um, I'm sure they're going to doll him off now for the season. That would make sense. Um, they don't seem to fancy Punchestown with him at all. Never have done since his novice chase days. And there's no reason why he couldn't come back and, and give it another decent goal um, next year. He does look superior to these, um, allowing that probably the margin of victory was um, a bit overplayed with what happened in behind. Absolutely. And next year's race, if he could tip up again, a few of those novices thrown in there, maybe even Monkfish as well, it could be a completely different race all over again. It'll pan out very differently, but he's certainly something to be excited about. And the fact he's only eight makes it even better as well. Uh, let's move on, Tony, to what we took offence to. We've spoken about all that we were happy with from the week that was. But what irked you throughout the week of Cheltenham, please, Tony? Yeah, pr probably losing money didn't help uh, irk me a little bit. Scarlet and Dove getting beaten in the marriage chase irked me a little bit, but I do actually have a serious point on this. Um, the ITV racing segment there last week, um, pre the Stairs hurdle, with this punter having his um, seemingly last 640 quid on Flooring Porter. Look, I'm sure it was staged, I'm sure it was a little bit of a pantomime, but really and truly, it, it's not the message. Um, we should be sending and this is not a knock at all into on-course bookmakers who um you know supply an excellent service and do do their job very well it just didn't sit well with me i asked a few people inside the game and outside the game what they thought of it they weren't too enthused about it either um this meeting like cheltenham can be intoxicating you know um and above all else it'll get lads punters off the bridle like i bet more last week than i typically would um most punters that i know bet more Part of that's a byproduct of being able to get on more. Part of it's a byproduct of the good opportunities there with the each way terms. But it really does have the potential to get lads going on the chase and kind of promoting it, you know, shouldn't be a thing. Look, racing and the racing media especially are in a difficult spot with this. It's quite nuanced and I could probably go on about this all evening, which I won't. But uh, like the sport and media are heavily um, backed by gambling companies, betting companies. That's just the way it is. Um, and as one kind of veteran person in the industry described me as without the betting like it is just a glorified point to point now that might be putting it a bit strongly but there's certainly more than a grain of truth in that and it's kind of incumbent on us kind of talking about the sport to try and promote betting in the right way you know for enjoyment and, and maybe using your brain a bit having a think having a study with the tools that are available watching your replays or whatever and i'm not saying everyone needs to be an anorak like me in fact they probably don't want to be um but you should be able to say look this is a no bet no opinion race whatever it is um and the sport racing, like on like the casinos or the fobties, like it can be skill-based. The skill-based part of it isn't for everyone. Like plenty will just look at a card and have a bet. And that's okay, as long as it's kind of within your means. And a large bet can be okay within your means. But like putting, presenting someone up as having their last 640 quid on a horse at Cheltenham, um, yeah, I, I really could, we really should be doing better than glorifying that kind of stuff.
Yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you, Tony, and the points you made are so valid. Uh, we have a responsibility, don't we? And I think it's fair to say that if ITV Racing had their time again, they may have struck a slightly different tone with that segment, potentially, anyway. Uh, let's move on to a few predictions for this time next year. Because, Tony, this time last year, you predicted that we would see a certain horse in a champion chase. Now, he didn't go on and win. But your prediction was right that we would see him over two miles. So what's your prediction going ahead? Yes, uh, thank you. Thank months? you, Vanessa. I really need to sort of rubbing in my wounds. I backed then Vialen at 25 to 1 for a champion chase <laughs> last year. Um, I wasn't actually watching the race live. I was watching the in running on my phone. I, I saw Shishkin had gone to a thousand. He briefly hit five to two and run. And I was getting really excited. Um, then I just told myself to cop on to myself and then I watched the replay and I found out he was toward in a three horse race essentially. So anyway, look, predictions for next year. I, I, I don't like getting too ahead of myself. I'd more be worrying what's going to happen at Aintree, Fairy House and Punchertown. Uh, the hyper in Cheltenham, it is ridiculous. I'm going to be honest about it. It is totally ridiculous, um, the build up to it. Um, I know this is a flat race and free zone, but look, no judgment here, guys. Like, um, you are allowed to like both codes. It's brilliant. Like, the current Nace are on this Saturday and Sunday. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to um, Fairy House Entry Punchestown. I'm not going to give you anything mad, you know, for Cheltenham next year. I think St James's Gate was kind of the, the inexperienced horse take out of the meeting along with uh, the nice guy. So they'd be two I'd be looking forward to. Okay, fair enough. And I love those comments for the man who we have week in, week out to build towards the Cheltenham Festival. So that's excellent, Tony. <laughs> I joke, I joke. I'm with you, I'm with you. I don't think it should be necessarily all we talk about all the time. But Barry, uh, just because my producer's making me ask this stupid question, so don't don't throw your abuse at me. But 12 months time, any predictions for the Cheltenham Festival going forwards? What would you expect to see in 12 months time? I would expect to see, well I'd hope to see Constitution Hill on Tuesday, um, probably in the Champion Hurdle rather than the Arkle and um, would, would obviously uh, maybe spoil a few parties if he does go and beat Honeysuckle but I'd be very happy if he did. Okay, I like it, that's a, a, head over, a heart overhead prediction from Barry but uh, I think we'd all like to see that as well. Look, thank you very much to Tony and Barry for their contributions, not just tonight but also over the last few months as well. I was going to say that that is it for Off The Fence but luckily for you viewers it is not. We're going to be back with an Aintree preview and a Punchestown preview so a couple of shows still to come, plenty to get stuck into as Tony's touched upon, Fairy House, Aintree, Punchestown and The Flat is kicking off. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you very much for watching. That was Off The Fence. <laughs> <laughs>